We go on three, two, and one. Good morning. This is Golf with Jay Delsing. I'm your host, Jay. I'm sitting down this morning with Mark McGuire. Mark, thanks so much for joining me this morning. Jay, you're welcome. Thanks for asking me that, to be on your show. Oh, my gosh. I look back. I can vividly remember the home run chase of 98. There's, uh, your accomplishments go on and on. But let's go back because this is kind of a special time. I know you just had your second son drafted in Major League Baseball. Talk a little bit about that, if you like, and what is it like to be drafted in MLB? Well, I mean, obviously, it's a dream come true. I mean, go back, first of all, start with me. It's like, you know, drafted in 1981 out of high school as a pitcher by the Montreal Expos, um, and they offered me, in the eighth round, um, and they offered me a, a a grand total of $8,500. <laughs> and so, and uh, at the time I had a scholarship at the USC and uh, I remember my dad saying, well, if, if um, we figured it was $10,000 a year to go to USC at that time, we figured if they came up to around $40,000, I would sign and go pitch for uh, the Montreal Expos. Well, they didn't, they couldn't, they said they couldn't budge off the 8,500. So I ended up going to college and, you know, long story short, I ended up becoming a hitter anyways. And I was drafted in the first round in, in 1984 by the Oakland A's. And, and I turned that into like, I think it was close to $150,000 signing bonus. And that was a lot back in 1984. And then fast forward close to 40 years later, my son Mason um, out of high school was drafted in the eighth round. Um, a month ago by the Chicago Cubs and um, and he is a pitcher he stands six foot four or 195 and got a very live arm and he is absolute just a young kid that is ready to blossom and um, I couldn't be happier for him and again another dream come true um, something he's he's been working very hard at um, you know ever since I got back into the game and coaching Back in 2010, my boys, both my boys, Max, who's 19, who's going to be entering the University of San Diego. He just transferred from um, Oklahoma this last uh, September, um, or excuse me, this last uh, August. So um, anyway, so he is uh, going to be there at the, the University of San Diego. So, um, you know, it's just one of those great things where they just they just love the game of baseball. Um, and it, things have worked out. A lot of hard work. A lot of, uh, you know, the thing is, I, I walked away from my coaching job down in San Diego, um, you know, after the 2018 season. Um, and I had another year left on the contract. And, and I, I came to a point in time where I said, you know, uh, Max was entering his sophomore year. Mason was entering his freshman year. And I said, you know what? I, I need to be there with him. Uh, my wife. Um, I don't know if anybody knows, but I have triplet girls that just turned 12 on June 1st. So my wife being at home and I'm being on the road as a coach, it's you're, you're gone a lot more than you are as a player from the house. So I needed to be around and watch my boys grow and, and be there. Um, but the one thing I did tell them, I said, listen, if, if I decide to walk away from coaching to be with you, and to, to try to give the knowledge that I know what it's going to take to be a minor league player, be a, hopefully a big league player someday. I'm going to be dead honest with you. I'm going to be hard on you. 
because I don't want you to be soft. I, I want you to understand what it's going to be like when people are always going to be critiquing and giving you stuff. And there's more failure in the game than there is success. And how are you going to uh, accomplish getting through the failure? And they both looked at me and they said, yeah, dad, we're, we're ready for that. And so that's when I elected to walk away from the game as a coach, uh, be here and for the last three summers or more, we were traveling the country doing all these uh, show, showcases and tournaments in Florida and Georgia, you know, Arizona, Texas. It's just like we were all over the place, Alabama. Um, it was eye-opening for me as a father, and, and I love baseball. And believe me, I, I really love going and watching these things because, you know, one of the great things about um, amateur baseball today is all these, you know, uh, perfect game and baseball factory and all this stuff. They put all these tournaments on and, and all these showcases. You get to see all the talent across the country where way back in the day, we, we never knew of any of it. The only time we ever saw any talent across the country is if we played against them in, in college, basically, or in the minor leagues. Um, and it was a good eye-opening experience for my boys and myself to really see what they were up against. Um, and it wasn't really necessarily the talent. It was just the maturity and the growth in their bodies. And that was the thing that I kept telling them. I said, listen, you guys have the talent. It's just the maturity and the, the growth in your body as far as I, I consider them both my boys sort of late bloomers. And sort of like what I was in high school and college and being a late bloomer and, and flourishing into the body, it's just, everybody's different. Some kids are, I mean, I, I remember seeing kids that are 6'5", 6'6", 225, and they're going into their senior year in high school. And I'm like, this is crazy. Um, but it's eye-opening because it, it for these kids, it, it makes them like work harder. They have to work harder because this is what they're up against. And, um, and both of them worked very, very hard. And, you know, Max um, had an opportunity um, last year uh, being drafted. And um, we elected to just say we're going to go to college. And he went and played his first year at University of Oklahoma. And, you know, he didn't have a really great opportunity of playing there. The times he did play on a – where he was playing consecutively for maybe five or six games, he did quite well. But they elected to go with an, an older – uh, junior college transfer, um, and then he elected to transfer to the University of San Diego, um, and he's got two more years. For Mason, you know, he's, again, another late bloomer with a flourishing fastball with the long arms, you know, stand six foot four, 195, um, and the Cubs really liked him and picked him in the eighth round, and I mean, I just, like, I can't wait to see what in the next three or four years when they just mold him into a, an absolute beast. And I, I can't imagine what he's going to be doing when he's at 220 or 225. And who knows if he's going to be growing any more than 6'4". He could be 6'5", 6'6". So um, it's just for them to to watch them go through this and all the hard work and, and all the me getting on them quite a few times about things and not letting things slide, you know, uh, I'm – I'm one of those guys that I, I'm a, I look at the little things and the little things with me are the ones that make the big problems. If you don't, if you don't start closing the hole 
or the gap with the, the little things, those little things are going to be huge. And so the small little detail stuff I'm really big on. And those were the things that I really emphasized with them as far as their baseball, um, way, the way, way they play baseball, way they go after baseball, how they, how they treat players, how they treat coaches, just these little things that just to me are huge. Um, so, but it, it's so satisfying as a parent and I know, Mason is extremely, extremely happy is what, what's going on. He's been down there for, in, in the Mesa Scottsdale area for about a month now, um, getting used to the system and getting ready for instructional league. Um, and then Max is getting ready to go start his uh, sophomore year at San Diego and comes first of September. Mark, I, I can't um, imagine the value of, of your experiences and being able to relay that even to your daughters, as you go through life, being a big leaguer, your dreams can come true. You're walking, talking example of that. That is so cool to be able to say that as a parent, isn't it? It really is. Um, but I also know that it's a lot harder today too, because of what these kids have to deal with as far as, their expectations um, via the social media. And far as I know, my kids today, especially my girls, and I think maybe my oldest one might be on social media today, but I'm not too sure about Mason, but just the expectations and what the social media does and, and how people say things uh, via writing for, through a phone rather than saying it to your face. Um, but the reality is it's just, it, it, it's very satisfying. To, to watch them flourish and what they want to do. And, but being as a parent, being there and trying to give them advice, which we all know as parents, that's what we can. We can give them advice because we're giving them advice of things that, that maybe have worked or maybe hasn't worked for us as, as we grew up into being a parent. Um, and God knows that we've all made mistakes, and, but, the, but we've all learned from them. And that's what we do. We, we, we pass on our knowledge to these kids. And, and that's what I do as far as baseball, too. I mean, I, I, I just, I'm just real. I'm real to my kids about the baseball stuff. And I'm, I'm like, this isn't good enough. This is not going to be good enough. Now, you can accept that or not accept it. It's, you have to understand that somewhere, somehow, that's going to come back to you where if it's good or bad. It's just... I just, I'm just, I just really talk on the points of just being reality. And then listen, yeah, I'm giving them examples of like what I went through as an athlete, but so much as that can parlay into working in an office, being a doctor. I mean, it's, it doesn't matter or being a policeman, a fireman, everybody makes mistakes. You just have to learn from them. And it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're a baseball player or not. It's just, and, and, and it's just life experiences, you know, I mean, so many times that, you know, your back is against the wall. Now, what are you going to do to peel it off and go forward, you know, and, and that's where we are as parents and the, where I use with all the stuff and the ups and downs and stuff I had to go through in my life. And I try to give it to them and then, you know, and then they can take it and use it the way they want to use it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you start thinking about, the the experiences and the opportunity in front of them whether the, the i don't know any occupation mark 
where you go through the fundamentals and do what you're supposed to do, take care of your body and work really hard, that that's not going to get you ahead. No, it's not, no, not, not necessarily. I mean, you got to have a lot of good things happen for you. You know, I mean, there's, there has to be an opportunity for you to do that too. And I mean, you, you create the opportunity. I mean, obviously it, it can't help if somebody's in front of you that something happens where somebody gets injured and creates the opportunity for you, but you can only take and do what you want to do. And then hopefully that door opens for you. Um, and, you know, but the, the biggest thing is the, the, what creates that opportunity is you understanding that and in, in embracing failure you know, that's my biggest thing in life. It's like, you know, you have to embrace failure. It's, it's, it's going to happen whether you like it or not. In one way or another, something's going to happen where you're going to have to face it. And what happens is, is like, and, it, and it, the thing is, almost like society today is nobody wants to face it. They just, they want to have an excuse for it. Um, and it's unfortunate, but you know, the thing is, is you're, you're going to be a better human being by embracing that and confronting it and going forward and learning from it and being honest about it instead of running away from it and putting your head in the hole and feeling sorry for yourself. Um, listen, I was there. We were all there at one time. I mean, I, I can't tell you, like, I mean, I, I can go back to, shoot, after my 91 season, and I talk about this a lot because this was a turning point in my career and my life, you know, when I had total failure in a whole season, you know, hit 201 in, you know, 600 plate appearances, that's really hard to do. I mean, that's, I mean, that's really, really bad, right? And going to the ballpark every day thinking I'm going to be sent out to the minor leagues and it never happened. But I took it upon myself to go, you know what? I needed to find out who I was as a person, you know? And I know today sports psychologists are gigantic and, and I think it's awesome. But for me, the biggest thing was in order for anything psychology-wise or mental-wise to work, you have to figure out who you are as a person. If you don't know who you are as a person, it's really hard to accomplish anything. And the thing is, is I had to figure out who I was as a person. Now, now that being said, this is the one thing that I really realized, and my psychologist way back when close to 30 years ago, brought it to my attention. You are who you are by the way you were raised by your parents. Your parents are who they are because of the way they were raised by their parents. It doesn't mean it's right or wrong, but what does it mean? Does it mean that's the way you want to live your life? You don't have to live your life the way your parents raised you. Now, it doesn't mean it's right or wrong. Now, it, in a, in a, it was like a light bulb went in my head and I went, wait a minute. Okay, well, I used to be, I used to do things this way and I used to do things that way because that's the way I was raised by my parents. Well, as I was starting to go through therapy, I realized that's not who I was as a person. That's who my parents were trying to make me as a person. But as I got older and I started realizing, well, I had a lot of failure in my life and I had a lot of ups and downs in personal life, whatever it may be. I had to realize like, I had to find out who I was me as a person. And if you can't look at yourself in a mirror and like what you see, you don't know yourself as a person. You don't know what you can do or can't do. 
And over the time and the, the few years, I think three, three or four or five years that I went through therapy, the one thing that I, one thing that I, and I think a lot of people out there can attest and will probably agree with me is when it, it happens a lot, when you make a decision, whatever it may be, how many times do you question your decision? It happens a lot, like whatever it may be, it might be the simplest decision for a family thing, or it might be a decision on make, buying a car. It might be a decision on opening a new bank account or just whatever it may be, or opening a new credit card. Should I get a credit card? Well, yeah, it's great. I can, you know, but then all of a sudden, a day later, you sit there and go, wait a minute, what the hell did I just do? That's not, I, I shouldn't have done that. And so, for me, what the turning point was, was me understanding that when I make a decision, I have to sit down, think about it. And then when I make it, that's it. That's the decision. I don't go back. And it took a lot of time for me to really realize and understand that. And the one thing that my psychologist had me do, which is, it's really tough for kids to do this today because they're, they're raised on a computer and a phone. But one of the best things that I ever did was he said, you need to go right, go home, whatever it may be, and write down the thoughts of what you were trying to do at that given time when you make a decision. Now, 24 hours later, go back to that, what you wrote down and see if you feel the same way. Gosh. And then if you change your mind, write down something new and then come back 24, 40 hours later and see if you still feel the same way. Boy, and that was the turning point. You know, Mark, you're talking about life-changing stuff when you realize mm -hmm. that you have the choice to make a different decision in your life. I can remember that for myself as well, where I've kind mm -hmm. of felt like I was remote controlling. My parents were still controlling me and I was in my 20s. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wait a yeah, second, yeah. this doesn't even feel like me. Yeah, and that's, uh, I'm, I'm dead, we're thinking the same way. And, and that was the thing. And it's like, that was the turning point. And it's funny because it's like, and when, when these things started happening and, and I saw these things sort of change and, they, and they, it's not like it, it doesn't change overnight. Nothing ever changes overnight. It, it, it's a process, right? And when these processes started happening, I started becoming secure with me, who I was. I started becoming secure with decisions I made off the field, but more importantly, I was making better decisions on the field as a baseball player. And my mindset just went off the, it, it just went in the stratosphere. It's like the control of how I can control the way I was playing the game and the way I thought compared to my first five years of playing the, the game of baseball at the professional level. It was, it's not even comparable. And it was all because of me finding out who I was as a person. And I know, it, and today, there's a huge problem with mental health. And I, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I am totally on board with that. But my thing is, my thing is, is like mental health. Where does it start? How did it start? And to me, it all starts at the home. It all starts when you, how, how you were raised as a kid, how you can understand and how you can change it yourself and how you can feel good about those changes instead of 
understanding going, oh my gosh, questioning every move you make. And to me, that was the, that was the biggest thing for me in my life. And then that was really, it, it parlayed into what I was doing as an athlete. And it's funny because when I, when I read and, and I see interviews and on TV or read things in the paper, um, on the internet, Shit, I was going to say the paper. There's no paper anymore to read, right? <laughs> you just dated like, both of us. Oh, yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. I used to – listen, I used to love waking up in the morning. I used to have my newspaper delivered to my house, and I used to love putting a big pot of Starbucks coffee on. I used to love drinking a pot of coffee in the morning and reading the paper, and those days are over with, right? <laughs> but you, know, you can still have the coffee, but you just read on it on your phone or your on your computer. Um yeah, it's just like I mean, it's 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 just it's incredible how like how powerful the mind is. As soon as you understand that you are in total control of your mind, nobody else, you are in total control of it. And how it simplified the game, how it simplified my life. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, I had a lot of ups and downs, you know, through my life since then. But I learned how to handle them much better and i felt good about what i did and what i said about whatever it may be and it's just like then I, then i go back to like when we when we first started talking about my decision of leaving the padres to be with my kids and, and to be honest with them and say listen i'm going to be dead honest with you this is what's going to happen you know those are things that i if i didn't do what i did back in um 92 the winter of, well she was the winter of 91 going to 92 is when this all started so 30 years ago if i didn't do those things I, I don't know if i could be the parent who i am today i don't think i can be the person that i could be today you know mark it's really interesting talking about dealing with failure when you when you're a professional golfer one person gets to win and everything else is looked as at a loss you might have played well but you didn't win when you're playing in Major League Baseball, if you can fail, if you can fail less than sixty um, percent of the time, sixty-five percent of the time, you're going in the Hall of Fame, right. and so you're dealing with twice as much failure as you are. How, on a day in and day out basis, I just can't imagine the grind of the MLB, the length of the season, and then you know, one hit out of three at bats is going to take you to the Hall of Fame. It's hard. Well, you know what? So at the same time that I was making a change in my life as far as seeing a psychologist, um, the Tony LaRusso changed hitting coaches. And um, at the time, it was, um, he hired Doug Rader, who to this day was the simplified the game for me. And to me, it was like, uh, I, I mean, he was a great player, uh, former manager. Um, you know, he's, he's out of the game now. He's, I think he believes he lives down in the Jupiter area down in Florida. But the thing is, he, when, when I was going through all this stuff and trying to find out who I was and change, change my mindset and everything, the one thing to your point about dealing with failure, and it's, it's hard as a, you know, it's hard any athlete. It's, it's just, not even at, it's, it's hard with anybody, any walk of life. How do you deal with failure? And this is the thing he said to me. He says, Mark, do you understand that guy on the mound is paid a lot of money to get you out? And then there's some days he's just going to do it. And I went, 
light bulb went off. I went, oh my gosh. And I felt so much better about like, if I went over four, he says, you just have to figure out how he got you out and understand that's okay. Process it, file it in your Rolodex in your mind. And the next time you face them, you're going to be better for it. And I went, it just eased my mind about failure. And so my 0 for fours didn't turn into 0 for 25s. And it's like, I, I understood and I started learning how to, after a game. Now, again, this is well before like the video revolution. It was just starting, you know, I mean, shoot, we had VCR tapes back in those <laughs> days with these kids. They don't even know that. Right. Right. And so, you know, today they have everything, which is, is so great for them. But it, so those were the times when, you know, I lived, I lived probably 30, 35 minutes away from the Oakland Alameda Coliseum. I lived over in the East Bay. And so I would spend my time driving home from the game thinking about my at-bats. And I was using my, my video was my mindset on what I visually saw. And so, and if I had a bad game, I would like go over every at-bat, how he was pitched, what was pitched, did I get myself out? Did, did he get me out? Or just, it was just a good at-bat and he just beat me. And by the time I got into my driveway and walked into my front door, the game was over with. And I was thinking about the picture the next day, the, the picture the next day. And that's how I simplified the game. And, and I don't know if I could have done that if, if I didn't, wasn't going through the therapy of trying to figure out who I was as a person. But it's just so funny how, it, I don't even know what's funny, but it's just so great how it all came together. A new hitting coach, a, a psychologist. And it just took me to another level mentally to where, um, it, it helped me out tremendously. You know, Mark, it's, there's not a value that you can put on it as an athlete when you get to that next level as a human being. The confidence in your, your ability in yourself is it's, it's going to show. It, it almost can't not show out on, on the field or out on the course. Right, right. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I, I mean, it's just... Uh, I mean, I mean, I think about golf. I mean, just the dealing of like, I mean, I was lucky enough to play with a bunch of great professional golfers and, um, you know, was a really good friend of Billy Andrade. We sort of lost touch in the last few years, but uh, Billy Andrade, I got to play in the, you know, the AT&T and, you know, I, after I retired, I went down and played the ADT skills challenge and play with these guys and, you know, and, you know, I played with a lot of the great players. Like, you know, I played with Phil Mickelson. I played with Tiger Woods. You know, I played with Corey Pavin. I, you know, I played with all these guys. It's just like, and, and I, it's just, the thing is, it's like, you talk about one of the hardest jobs to perfect is, and to go out there for four consecutive days and try to win a tournament and try to win some money to put food on the table for the family. That is one of the hardest things to do on this earth. And the, the amount of respect I have for these golfers and what they go through is this, it's immense because think about all the other sports. For the most part, every sport is guaranteed, guaranteed contract for the, for the most part. You know, football is probably the only one that doesn't have all guaranteed. Golf has no guarantee. The only thing that's guaranteed is you going driving or flying to the next tournament and trying to make a living. 
but to like one day you shoot 63, the next day you shoot 75. Now, how's that possible? You're playing the same golf course. And it happens That's every week. It, it happens every day a week. It it's like, it's incredible how tough mentally you have to be to get over that and to understand that and how to accept the like, okay, I screwed up this hole, screw it. I'm going to go, I'm birdie in the next hole. That you talk about mental toughness. Um, and you know, it's like, I mean, I, I just love, loved watching Tiger, you know, play and, and just the, just the, 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 just him walking on the course and just his stare just intimidated all the other players and just, you know, and then if he's like three or four strokes behind going into the final day and he's like three or four groups ahead of you and you're, you're leading the tournament and all of a sudden you're hearing the roars ahead of you and he's putting the pressure on you. You're not even watching it, but you can hear the pressure. It's like, but the mindset, you know, again, him being raised in the household with a, a father was a green beret. Um, but I, let me, let me tell you a story about Tiger. So, I got to work out with Tiger a few times. Um, you know, he had a place out here in California and he actually, he was a, a, a member at the club that I belonged to out here. And I played with him quite a few times and I actually worked out with him. And to this day, to this day, he is one of the, probably the, the, one of the strongest mentally and physical person I've ever worked out with ever in my life. Mark, I was he put me through he put me through a set of push-up sit-up routine that his dad taught. It's a this it's a uh, it's it's one of these I still have it written down in my house and it's one of these things where I, okay, it, it it's like you start off you start off with like um, 10 push-ups, 10 sit-ups, 20 push-ups, 20 sit-ups, 30 push-ups, 30 sit-ups, 40 push-ups, 40 sit-ups, 50 push-ups. 50s and then you start going back down it's a pyramid right but you do the pyramid twice he was done with it and i was still on my i was coming down the first pyramid <laughs> you know <laughs> and i'm sitting there going but the mindset of him like just getting through that like it was nothing is like the mindset of a green beret of a navy seal you know, I think we all love watching those shows, you know, what it takes to be a Navy SEAL and going through all that conditioning and sitting in the water for tw ice cold water for 24 hours and sleep deprivation and all this stuff is like the mindset. It, 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 that is a different person. But my whole point is, is the understanding of like how tough it is to, to overcome failure and to see a golfer deal with, he has to deal with and to understand the tiger if not the greatest has ever played. I know there's, there's arguments saying that Jack is, but in our lifetime, I mean, I, obviously I watched, you know, Jack play in, those, in, in my lifetime, but in a lot of people's lifetimes, it, it was Tiger Woods. But the mindset and the strength of overcoming failure is just immense. Um, and, and to me, out of all the people I've met on this earth, he is... Uh, uh, he's there. He's on the top of that. Mac, I thought I was a competitive guy till I met Tiger. And, and, and <laughs> the guy doesn't give up on it. You know, he can have a 50-foot putt for a triple bogey, and he's still completely focused, completely into uh -huh. his routine, the whole thing. 
Anybody, did you see anybody like that in MLB? Anybody in some of the great Hall of Famers that you played with and in, in your great career? Was there anybody that stood out like that? Um, not the only the only person that I can think of is me. <laughs> Interesting. It, it's it's like to me, it's like I I would put my mindset against anybody's mindset of what I had to go through, um, especially in the '98 season, um, of what I had to go through the rest of my career, '99, 2000 the expectations, the, the mindset, you know, it's funny. It's like, I always wanted to, to meet Kobe Bryant and, you know, he lives, I mean, God, God rest his soul. He lived like 10 minutes just over the hill from me. And I, I never ran into him, never got to meet him, but I, I would have loved to just talk to him about a mindset, you know, and obviously he would have, he definitely would have been there with tiger as far as mindset. Um, but to, to understand of how, how powerful, I mean, think about all the adversity he had to go through and his injuries and what he had to come through. And, um, and it's just like, that's just, it's just for me to understand like what I had to go through and to talk to tiger about, you know, I didn't get in details with tiger because we were just out playing golf and having, but I, you know, I would love still to this day, I would love to just sit down with him and just go, Let's just talk the mindset of being an athlete. I, I would, I would give my right arm to do that because it's like we're we're talking about different sports, but we're all talking about the same thing, we're talking about trying to be successful, and, and and to win. And as far as me, it's like I sit there and think, and and nobody knows. I've I've never I, I haven't wrote in a book, and you're the first podcast I've ever ever done. <laughs> And it's like, I've never wrote in a book. I've never let anybody know what's gone on in my mind. It's just like, and I'm, I don't know, maybe I'm a a mystery to a lot of people, but, and a lot of people don't know me. They just assume they know me. But the, the, the power of the mind where I said, I'll put my mind up against anybody else's mind to accomplish something that the people that don't understand what I went through in 98, starting at the beginning of spring training and to finish off what I did is um, there's only one way. I, I go back to what, how we first started talking about my psychologist. There's no way in hell that I would have ever accomplished that if I didn't go through that, finding out who I was as a person. No way. Mark, I don't know how you did in 98. You had that wonderful run. You broke, the, you broke probably the most storied record in all of sport. The 61. Yes. I mean, there is no question about it. I was glued to the TV. And the Sammy yeah. Sosa thing was kind of made it, made it more fun, but it was really about you. And I don't know, I can remember every once in a while we get a shot of you in the dugout, uh, um, either on deck or, or, or maybe in the hole being on deck and, and mm-hmm. before you were on deck. And I'd see you close your eyes and I'd see you get prepped. And mm-hmm. I'm like, he's, he's already watching this pitch. He's already yep. seeing what he <laughs> needs to see. He's already living this 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 moment and you know what mac Mm. that's exactly what tiger did on the golf course he had already won the tournament in his mind well okay there's two things there all right so 98 and then tiger so let me let me tell you one story about tiger when we did talk on the golf course and he did tell me about when he won the i believe it was the u.s open in pebble beach oh yeah by 15 okay 
So the story, as he told me, was the night before, he got up in the middle of the night around 2 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning. He got in front of his mirror, and he shot every shot that he was visualizing on every hole before Sunday, that night before Sunday. Ridiculous. And as he told me, as he told me, he said, all those shots happened. Isn't that incredible? It is incredible. <laughs> it gives me shivers. It gives me shivers right now to, to even think about that. Now, go to 98. Um, that is how powerful the mind can be, to be in that moment, to understand that the whole country is watching you, to understand that they, Fox broke all, you know, television, whatever they were playing that, that night, and they decided let's put let's put this game on <laughs> let's put this game on national tv you know when's that ever happened let's take all these tv shows off we're going to put a baseball game on <laughs> right. you don't even know if i'm going to you don't you don't even know if i'm going to hit a home run i right. mean it's so hard to do right but the thing is the mindset and to understand like where i where i could get myself to and it's like and this is where i mean gosh i just wish i could have sit down with kobe and, and Obviously, maybe someday I get to sit down and talk to Tiger about this on a real level. Um, but to to really understand where you can go and like what to the point where you said, like, I would close my eyes in the hole. I would close my eyes on deck. Well, I was doing that prior to the game. I would I learned how to to I, I, I would go into one of the doctor's rooms or the you know, doctor's rooms and, and lay on a table. And I would take. I would take about a 10 or 15 minute sort of cat nap, if you want to call it. But I would, I would just totally close my eyes and I would visualize on how this pitcher's ball was moving, the starter. And, and that's how I did it. Um, today, these kids have video, they can do that. And, and I go back to like so many times I would tell these kids when I was coaching, I'm like, you guys don't understand that. Yeah, I know there's percentages on what the guy's going to throw at certain things. I go, to me, that's great. But to me, it's understanding and learning the rotation of how his ball is going to move is, is the key. That's going to set you up on what you want to do. And so that's what I was doing. And I was, I was doing that before the game. I would do that on deck. I would do that in the hole. I would do that sitting in the corner of the dugout. Because my mindset had to be at another place, and there's only there's only one place that only one person can get me there is is me, and um, but that's that is that's the incredible thing that you can do as a person is to open up and to and to really peel back, as my psychologists say, you're peeling back all these layers off this onion, in order to you to find the core of who you are as a person. And that, and that 98 happened because of my failure in 91. And for me to understand that, hey, I had to find out who I was. And there's no way, I, I personally don't think that there was any way that that would have happened if I, didn't, if I didn't go through that time in 91 when I really thought maybe my career was over with and I was going to be a minor leaguer, you know? Um, but that's, that's how you, that's how you bounce through and pass and embrace failure. 
No. So, Mark, if you were a golfer, you would use the exact same thing as what Tiger said, as what you did. You just, you just, you just supplant the sport and and get into your visualization, get into your meditation, and see it all yep. the night before, and and see it all before the at bat. Absolutely, Jay. And and the thing is, is like the realization of that. This is my life, or that was my life at my time at, at, during that time. It's like why would I allow anything or anybody get in my way of me trying to succeed without even knowing if it, if, if it was going to happen? But I was doing everything in my power to have that possibility to happen. Just like Tiger was doing that, getting up in the middle of the morning the day before the final round of the U.S. Open and going and blowing everybody away, he visualized every shot. I was visualizing a pitcher's pitch and how the ball was being moved. I didn't have to think about my swing. My swing was – when you're, you're playing that long, you don't have to think about your swing. To me, it's all about the pitcher's release point and how the ball is going to move and if it's going to come in the location where you're going to hit. And that's, that's really it. And, and it's like the, the power of the mind and what you can do and set the point. And, that, and Listen, I did that every day. I did that every day um, for pretty most, most of my second part of half of my career. I start, <laughs> I say that starting in 92, that's probably my 92 to the end of my, to 2001. I did that pretty much every day. Um, and it's like, why wouldn't I do that? And then, and then when I was coaching, why wouldn't I pass that on to players today? Because it's like, listen, I wasn't the best player drafted in 1984. I wasn't the best player playing the game of baseball. Doesn't mean you have to be the best player to have the strongest mind, but how do you know that you can't possibly, how do you know that you, you might not someday be the best player in the game if your mind can get you there, if you're not allowing it to get you there. And that's what I, that's the, one of the biggest things that I, when I was coaching is like, how do you know you can't be great if you don't dip into that noodle between your ears, you know, and the first thing it starts is that you just start talking about it and start planting the seed or as they say, start throwing the fishing line out there and starting to see if you get a bite on it. And again, this didn't happen overnight. This took time. This took effort. And, you know, um, I mean, I can go into my visualization as far as like I started seeing a knife eye specialist and started strengthening my eyes. And, and, and I know that's becoming sort of a, a thing in baseball today, but again, it's like the understanding that your eyeball is, is, is staying in, in socket by it, it's held in by thousands and thousands of strands of muscle. If you can strengthen those muscles, just like you go to the gym every day and strengthen your legs, your arms, and chest and back, you can strengthen your eye muscles. So what gets you tired, Jay? What re- what really gets you tired? You, well, you get strained. You get strained. What, 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 what gets you tired first? Your eyes get tired first. If your eyes are tired, your mind's tired. If your mind's tired, your body's tired. It doesn't work the other way around. There is no way your body's tired without your mind being tired or your eyes being tired. Your eyes can't feel good, and all of a sudden, oh, my body feels like crap. Your eyes are tired, your mind's tired, and your body's tired. And so that being said is when I started doing these eye exercises, 
again, this goes back into the beginning of uh, 92 when I started seeing this, this eye doctor uh, specialist and he was out of San Diego. And I started doing all these eye exercises and I never stopped. And, and that's where like my mindset and my eyes became where I could see the dot on the ball. I could see the writing on the ball. I could see a fingernail. You know, I used to tell Adam Wainwright, <laughs> even Clayton Kershaw, I used to tell him, I said, dude, I see that knuckle curveball. I see that knuckle thrown up so high. I said, I would sit there, read the newspaper, but I'm going to hit the shit out of it. <laughs> and they started laughing. <laughs> they started laughing because, because, but that's how, that's how, that's how good I got as far as reading fingers. I could see a changeup. I could see a guy's little circle on the side of the ball. When, but see, that was like, but the, these were little things that I did when nobody really knows about and it's like but it's like that slowed the game down my mind was slowed down because of all the all the work i was doing figuring out who i was but my mind really slowed down even more when i was doing those eye exercises when i learned how to really control my eyes and and it and really set it on us on the spot to your point of me closing my eyes and visualizing in the dugout, on in the hole, on deck. And then sometimes when I'd swing and miss, I'd, I'd back out and I'd close and there was a spot on the bat, that there was a little spot on the bat, there was an R that just that R kept on telling me, be right, be right. And, and I would just keep staring at that. And that was like my focus point where I just, just I used my eyes. Cause listen, Jay, hitting like, just like golf, golf is visualization, right? You have to see the shot. And you have to, and then you have to perform it. So your eyes see the shot, your mind moves, and it tells your body where to go. Mark. And same thing is hitting. It's, a, it's amazing how similar it is, I think. Without a doubt. Let me ask you a question. How did you deal with off the, um, off the field in 98? Because... When I saw you interviewed, you seemed so humble. You seemed like such a down-to-earth human being. And you got so much attention. It had to be overwhelming, annoying. I don't know what else. But it had to be so much to deal with. Well, yeah, that was uh, yeah, if, if, if there was one, listen, it wasn't necessarily a bad distraction. You know, it, listen, you can't go to school on how to, how to deal with media <laughs> there's no and to how to deal with superstardom or you know whatever it may be um i personally thought i dealt with it the best i possibly could and i think you know from what i've been told that was one of the reasons why i didn't win the mvp it's because a lot of the media guys a lot of the media guys didn't care for the way i was you know treating them or, or the way i responded to certain questions um and i was told that the reason why sammy sosa won the the uh, mvp was because he was on a winning team well you know it would be different today because if they used the metrics and the analytics that you lived uh, did today you'd have wiped I mean, him you know, out I, I yeah i you know i've looked at those things there's like only two categories that he was a little bit ahead of me and those were big categories that weren't that uh, there's that much emphasis put on those things, but you know, that is, it is what it is. And he had a fantastic year and, and, and yeah, he, and he was a, a, a happy go lucky guy. And, you know, 
And, you know, it was a great battle between and I, especially with the, you know, Cardinal Cub series and understanding how that is just such a historical uh, series every time you're in Wrigley and every time you're in Bush Stadium. And um, I mean, it, shoot, man, it couldn't have been any better. And I loved it. But um, yeah, it, I mean, what, what can I say? It's just like the dealing with the media, you know, I mean, there's, there's, yeah, there's times you probably wish, okay, uh, yeah, I, I could have probably said things or could have been, but it's like when you're, when you're going into the clubhouse every day after the game, and I might have not done anything, and I felt almost embarrassed because the media wanted to talk to me rather than talking to Ray Langford or, or Brian Jordan or Matt Morris or whoever it may be during that time. They had a great game, and it's like, it's like I felt bad because I was like, gosh, give them their dues, guys. I'm not the only player on this team. And, and, I, and I felt sort of embarrassed because they wanted to talk to me about why I didn't hit a home run or whatever happened. I'm like, hey, you know what? Those guys over there had a great day. And, and so sometimes I might have gotten ornery, um, you know, and then think about it. Like, you know, they didn't really do any press conferences until I think it started like maybe – probably the end of August and first of September, instead of having me meet, you know, the 50 to 75 media members a day on the field, they would set up a, they would set up a, a room somewhere in the stadium, be it at Bush stadium or on the road. And then look what they do now. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a staple now in anything. There's a, there's a media room for everybody now, you know, there's very rare that you see a, a big a, a conjugate of, of a media player or, media talking to players on the field anymore if, it, if it's anything big there's a media room um so yeah it was it was tough to deal with, but i thought i dealt with the best i could i mean could i have done better i mean I, anybody could have done better but again like i said earlier it's like you you didn't there's no going to school and somebody teaching you how to deal with this there's no way it's like you have the only way you're going to know how to deal with it is is being right in the in the thick of things and sure enough i was in the thick of things and and, um, you know, I tried to be sarcastic. I tried to be funny, but for some reason, everybody thought I was so serious all the time. And the, the only time that I was really serious was in between the lines. And, and for me, that was my sanctuary. I mean, I felt so peaceful when I took the field and it was like, it was like this unbelievable, great sanctuary to be out there playing the game. Wow. That, that is just amazing. I look at some of the, the, records, uh, Mark, that you have, you still um, are the record holder for the most home runs per at bat at 10.6. You, um, you led the, you led the league in slugging four times. You led the, uh, uh, on, this is one thing that I think is monster huge that never gets talked about your career. You led MLB and on base percentage twice for a power hitter. Who does that? Well, I mean, yeah, I have a career, career on base percentage of a 390 something that's like just under 400 yeah that's, yeah. that's and, ridiculous know, that, but jay that, that but that you know what that, that's funny because that, that stems back from college <laughs> my legendary and hall of fame coach rod dato he always told me you know he, he he called all his players tiger because he always forgot their names so we, everybody was named tiger <laughs> he goes tiger tiger he goes a walk is as good as a hit and i would like okay a walk's as good as a hit but how do you how do you get walks? You know, you can't get walks by being a passive hitter. You get walks by being ready to hit. 
And so it wasn't like I went up to the plate going, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get a walk right here. Now there's times, many, many times that I would go to the plate going and think about this, Jake, think about how, how hard it is to hit when you know that pitcher on the mound isn't going to throw you anything to hit. The now, discipline you that up, you had to have. Now, well, do you stand up there being passive or do you stand up there being ready to hit? I truly believe the only way to have a great on-base percentage is to be ready to hit from the first pitch on. If you're ready to hit and you know your strike down, you go hit, 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 ball, hit, hit, ball, and then you go, okay. And then if you get to 3-0, I'm like, oh, just please throw a strike. Just, just please throw me a strike. <laughs> Give me a and chance like, to hit something. But there were so many times There were so many times that I would go to the plate going, this guy's not even come close to it. Um you know, and then, but that's, that's a difficult thing to do. Think about that. It, it's a really hard thing to do going to the plate, knowing this guy's not even throw anything close to the plate, but you can't be passive. You have to be ready to hit. Oh, because so I'm, very, I'm very proud of that. I'm very proud of that. And it's, that's something that is just like, I, I really love. And it's like, listen, I had a little bit more strikeouts than I did walks. Um, but shoot, I mean, today's things like striking out today is ridiculous. It's like, how is that ever okay to strike out 200 times in the season? How is that ever okay? It's not okay. I don't care what anybody says. When you strike out, you are not helping your ball club whatsoever. And so the acceptance of that striking out, and for me, it was like, it was sort of, that was probably one of the biggest things that was hard for me as a coach to understand how these kids today would strike out three, four, and five times a game and they wouldn't even worry about it. And I'd sit there and go, if I struck out three times in a game, I couldn't sleep that night. And today, the game, these kids strike out. And I know these analytical guys go, oh, it's better that you strike out and you're not putting the ball in play and double playing it. I'm like, no, it's not good to strike out because you're not helping your ball club whatsoever. I would rather have a guy put a ball in play because when you put a ball in play, somebody's moving, something can happen, a runner's going, a, a, a player's going to a different. It's like something good can happen when you put the ball in play. Now, listen, you're going to strike out, but if you're going to strike out, you better well, you better know your strike zone, and you better walk a, a good amount of times too. So, what's next for Mark McGuire? I know you're going to watch a hell of a lot of baseball coming up, but uh, <laughs> I, I, it's really exciting. Well, let's see. Well, I'm still. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a soccer dad now, um, you know, uh, two of my, uh, three, three girls play soccer. Uh, one plays on a, a, a club team and one plays AYSO. Um, so like last weekend I was at a tournament all weekend this weekend, I'm going to be at another tournament. Um, you know, I'll be going back and forth to Arizona to visit my son. Uh, I'll be driving down the five freeway, going down to San Diego, visiting my other son when, when he starts playing games down there. So, um, yeah, in about, you know, a few more weeks, I said, my wife and I are going to, I'm, I'm going to be the only, the only male in the house. I'm going to be with four women. So it's going to be interesting for me. Um, you know, usually I have, I have boys around the house. So it's like, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting time, but it's going to be exciting time. I had four daughters, man. I got a full notebook. I'll send it on over to you. You just gotta, <laughs> you gotta find your, you gotta find your quiet place because there's a lot of words <laughs> that are in the air sometimes, my man. Oh, I know, I know, I know. It's like, oh man, it is. Uh, yeah, it is. Uh, it is different because I, you know, you know, I was raised in a household with five boys. You know, 
And then, uh, then I had, you know, my, my son, Matt, you know, he's 30, uh, 34 going on 35 and, and then, um, you know, then Max and Mason, and then, uh, then I have, uh, you know, my wife wanted to get one more and we got three more. So, and they're all girls. So. That's awesome. I just want to wrap up with this, Mark. With um, I noticed when you came back to St. Louis, you are so beloved here, and you came back, and there was a, to me, I, I watched you so much, there was a marked change in you as a man. There was something, and I don't know if it was just, maybe it's just the rigors of not having to play on a daily basis. But talk a little bit about that and talk a little bit about the support in this crazy baseball town that we live in. Well, it's one of the key reasons why I elected to sign there after I was traded there in 97. Um, I never felt the way, you know, listen, I grew up in Oakland for 12 years and, you know, they had for the most part a a pretty good fan base. Obviously they're going through a tough time right now and trying to decide on what they're going to do with the stadium and if they're going to stay and whatever. Um, and, and, and again, Oakland's a historical franchise too. Um, but being from California and and being traded to St. Louis and really not knowing much about St. Louis baseball and going there and getting the reception I did that Friday night when I, um, my first game there in Bush stadium and, um, hitting a home run that night and understanding like, wait a minute, this doesn't happen. I don't understand what's going on here. It's like, really, this is the way a baseball player is supposed to feel. Uh, this is um, incredible. I've never under, I, it's like, I was just like going, I mean, I couldn't understand it. It was like, I was taken off guard, like the, 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 the support and Cardinal nation, um, being grown up in California, we just, we, we weren't in tune to it. Um, you know, we're used to going to ball games and leaving the games early, you know, <laughs> you know, to beat traffic, you know, and people, people make their summer vacations and going down to downtown St. Louis to watch Cardinal games. It's, so um, it was, it was the feeling of like, just love. And I was like, I remember calling my representative and saying, this is where I want to be. I mean, I hope we can work something out. I mean, there's, I mean, this is incredible. Why, why would I even try to go, try to go look to be a free agent to go somewhere else when I've never felt like this ever. And to your point of when I come back, it's, it's the same feeling. It's incredible. I mean, it's like, I, I just, um, you know, I'm sure I, I met my wife there, you know, my wife's, you know, uh, born and raised across the river in Illinois and Glenn Carbon, and, you know, and, took her out here to California and her parents still live there and her sister still lives over there in Edwardsville. And, and so, I mean, it's, it's, I, I mean, I couldn't be thankful for the time and what, what happened there and, and just the feeling from the Cardinal nation. It's just incredible. It, it, it's not going, it's, it's only going to get better. It's, it, it, these are just, it's just, it's just families, generations hand down the, the Cardinal nation. And this is what they do. And, you know, you, you go all the way down through the South and the people listening on the radio, KMOX, and you hear the stories of listening to, to um, Jack Buck and, you know, Mike Shannon and all those guys. It's just like, it's just the stories just going all over the country. It's just like when I used to travel with my boys down through the South and I, I would get stories from people coming up saying, oh my God, we're huge Cardinal fans. And 
love listening to the games and watching games when you're playing and stuff. So just the love. And uh, I mean, I, you know, Walt Jockety and, and the uh, DeWitt family and the, all the owners, and I, I couldn't be thankful enough for them uh, even making something work and for me to stay there. And, you know, I mean, I wish it was longer than four years. I mean, um, you know, unfortunately I decided to walk away from it with all the injuries and just didn't want to deal with it. Could I have, could I have played longer? I, I, I know I could have played longer, but I just came to a point where I just felt like I just didn't want to go through all that anymore. And I, and I walked away from it, but the love, the love has never lost left, left me, (laughs) never left at all. I think when you talk about the preparation and, and the things that you have today and shared with us, and I appreciate that so much, that is what people don't understand about the other side of the game, the mental side of the game and, and golf and in baseball and, and the, the prep and the, the demand is it's, it's a, it's a huge ask. No. Yeah. And, and, and but it, it all comes from the mindset, but you know, Jay, I, I can't go back enough to it. It goes back to finding out who you are as a person. <clears throat> it really does. And, and it's like, until you can find out who you are as a person and how you can deal with things on your own and nobody else's opinion, nobody else has given you any kind of anything. You in your own room, look in the mirror, understand, talk to yourself, figure out how you're going to accomplish this good or bad until you can get to that point. And when you get to that point, then you're going to know that's who you are. And I, I can't put enough emphasis on that. And it's not easy work. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of hard work. And, 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 and it's like, look, there's, there's a lot of hiccups during the way. I remember having hiccups. I know I keep going back. I remember having hiccups driving to my psychologist going there. And like, oh man, we have this one. But then I, you know, hour later I'm driving home feeling fantastic because he gave me something to work on. Um, but you can overcome pretty much any and everything. And, and you are the one that will dictate it. Man, thanks so much for the time today. I really appreciate it. I wish the boys the best of luck, the girls, oh, you and your wife. You, if you ever get yeah. back in town, I, I really look forward to, to connecting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, Jay. And, and podcast. I, I mean, you know, I, I really love just like just talking about, knowledge and what we've gone through in, in our lives. And, you know, it, if we can help somebody and, and get somebody on the right, the road to recovery or the road to who they are as a, as a person, whatever it may be, it's just like, if they can use the little things and maybe go out and try to find some help, I mean, all the better, man. I- Peloton, let's go. This holiday with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors, We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.